0: Hey everybody, it's your old friend John DeLuna with another fine RFC minicast. This will be a landmark minicast because this is a delightful topic that Brian Kilby and Don the Headmaster Ferguson are going to join me for in a second. But first, let me um, let me just set the uh, scene for you fine listeners. We're going to do a little bit of old man talk, my favorite kind of talk because I'm an old man. And we're going to talk about the movie, the One and only Transformers, the movie. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing on this fine evening?
1: Pretty good. I'm I'm eating oranges. (laughs) I love oranges. I'm addicted. You know what's
0: shaped like an orange looks vaguely like an orange? Unicron. Yeah. (laughs) Very timely. And he eats things. And now you're eating something that looks like Unicron. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. Guys, before I dive into this topic with you guys, first of all... Let me quote Orson Welles via TF Wiki, and just describe the movie to you in the words of Orson Welles. Quote, Orson Welles talking now: "The Japanese have funded a full-length animated cartoon about the doings of these toys, which is all bad outer space stuff. I play a planet. I menace somebody called something or other. Then I'm destroyed." My plan to destroy whoever it is is thwarted, and I tear myself apart on the screen. Orson Welles describing Transformers, the movie, the 1986 masterpiece. Is he accurate? Is he fair in his disdain for the movie? Don Ferguson.
2: It's a little fan on the... the. No, (laughs) I'm sorry. Yes, defend your movie. For sure, it, it's it's. I mean, again, you're, you're, I I would love to have heard that conversation on how they got him in the first place, um, for that part. Money. I just yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, other than that, peas, know,
0: frozen peas.
2: peas. So I, I don't know. It's just uh, I believe he was looking at it from a from a this, the sensibilities of, of of a different age of actor of a thespian. From, 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 yeah, from a different time that didn't quite understand what they were shooting for. Yes. Indeed,
0: I would, I would, uh, I would agree with you. Let me, uh, let me uh, officially throw down this first question though, and I'll start with Brian. Before we like get into what I really want to focus on is kind of where this movie stands today, because I feel like a lot of talk about the movie has occurred in our fandom. But I really want to talk about it in 2016 terms. By the way, it's turning 30 this year. Uh, but Brian, tell us when did you first see Transformers the
1: movie? Uh, probably about six months after it came out. Whenever it was on HBO, uh, my friend—I didn't even know. Didn't even know there was a Transformers movie. I just know, just knew that the TV series changed. Uh, my friend Jason had HBO, and um, he recorded it on VHS, and I went and watched it, and I sobbed and cried, <laughs> and cried and cried and cried and cried. And cried, and cried. about
0: uh about uh what specifically uh optimus prime Mm. what a sweetheart
1: i know had a heart of gold brian young brian kilby yeah i did i was like seven god i was seven and i was sobbing about a freaking cartoon
0: (laughs) well you're more (laughs) loud at seven than 37 that's true for sure uh don where were you when you saw this movie
2: I was in theaters the Saturday after it came out. Ooh, wow, uh, okay. Yes, I was 16 years old. Uh, my cousin and his best friend came with me. Uh, we were at the Carmike Cinema 6 in High Point. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and uh, we were there, you know, literally, you know, not opening night, but it was a Saturday mm-hmm. after, after, after it came out, and uh, we were there. I didn't have a car yet so my mom mom and dad dropped us off cuz I didn't have a I have a license and I didn't have a car yet. So
0: you went to see it the day after it was released cuz it was released on August 8th 1986
2: which is Yeah so so that was a so yeah so it was it was the Saturday after cuz I remember seeing in the paper the day before there was an ad for the GoBots movie that was playing mm-hmm. and the Transformers movie. Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. asking my mom, which do you think we should go see first? And she said, well, you, you like the Transformers more than the GoBots. She'd go see that. I said, yeah, I think I'll see that first. Uh, mom always knows best. <laughs> I, was, um,
0: I was I uh, was six at the time. Yes. Uh, freshly freshly turned six. And uh, I do remember specifically finding the ad in a newspaper jumping on my parents bed and showing them the uh the movie page from the local paper and uh probably demanding but in my memory politely asking to see the movie and uh, and I went with my father and uh much like Brian I was uh, traumatized and shocked by Optimus Prime dying and turning to dust it was uh it was a horrific scene so when did you find out that it, when when did you learn that he didn't turn to dust uh, I never had that false memory like okay okay
1: yes <laughs> Luckily, of people did.
0: Yes, that's one of many like odd urban legendy kind of things surrounding the movie for sure. I guess that is um like a bastardization of him just turning gray, right? Like that's where people's minds just kind of assumed it progressed to, to
1: ash. Yeah, they extrapolated or something.
0: Yes. Um he didn't, for the record, if you're new to this Transformers stuff and podcasting in general. Optimus Prime just turns gray. Inexplicably. Um That has become, like thanks to that scene, I guess kind of a thing. When Transformers die, they often just turn gray for really no reason. Pretty much. So, guys, uh, the movie does turn 30 this year, and we're actually seeing little bits and pieces of um, celebratory things, uh, platinum series toys and what have you. So it's certainly not lost on Hasbro that that this is a milestone year. But I do want to talk to you guys about kind of where this – where this thing sits in 2016, because we've been along for the ride ever since then, for 30 years. And I do think that as like a piece of lore, Transformers, the movie, peaked prior to, I would say, really prior to the release of Armada Unicron, because all the movie characters, most of the movie characters, either had unsatisfactory toys at that time, original release toys that weren't very satisfying or no toys at all. And they were just kind of legendary, like the Unicron prototypes. And once Armada Unicron came out, it sort of started this creeping, um, march towards taking the romance out of at least the toys with, uh, different versions of these characters coming out over and over and over again. Um, even getting that, uh, that RC finally for Don. So, mm-hmm. um, where do you guys, I'll start with you, Don, where where do you think this movie sits kind of now in the lore and in the minds of the fandom versus maybe in its heyday of being this kind of exotic or mythical piece of fiction? Where do you think it stands
2: today? I think it stands mostly as a fondly remembered time period. It, people are using the movie to remember when Transformers were simpler, not that I don't mean simple, but you didn't have all the stuff interconnecting. You just had good robots, bad robots. You didn't have the shades of gray like the comics are presenting nowadays. And people, people are sort of remembering that as a, as a simpler time overall in the fandom. I don't think the movie carries as much weight nowadays because. Uh, so many of the characters have been reimagined so many times. I mean, if you took Optimus Prime and you showed a kid who's used to Optimus from Robots in Disguise or from Prime and showed him his G1 self, it wouldn't look right to him. Because mm-hmm. that's not a modern truck. So for, I think even those hardcore fans, it's a, it's a treasured memory. Uh, barring the death of Optimus and everybody else, of course. (laughs) But it's more like, okay, that was then. We've moved on. We've fleshed out the mythos. We have all this stuff going on now. And if Transformers had ended at that point, if Season 3 and Rebirth Mm -hmm. had been the end, and we had not got Generation 2, Beast Wars, and all that, I think the movie would still be considered one of the the high watermarks, like if you're going to go out, if you're going to go out with a ba- end, you know mm-hmm. that was a, a way to do it. Mm-hmm. But it's been eclipsed by, you know, better series, like you know, animated and and for, so forth. Uh, different different interpretations. Some people like better than the movie. So it's finally remembered. I don't think it just carries the weight that it used
1: to. Yeah, Brian. I mean, where do you think it kind of sits now? I mean, Don's exactly right. It doesn't carry the weight that it used to carry. Uh, to me, it, I don't know that I could have at one point consider the the defining moment of Transformers. I would say the defining moment would be uh, G One season one, or when the series debuted. But um, it was a high water mark and a low water mark for Transformers. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was um, pretty much the height of uh, Transformers mania in the U.S. Uh, and it pretty much signaled the downfall of the transformers as we knew them at that time, not only from a a marketing perspective um but it really signaled the end of the innocence for uh the transformers and um it used to be it used to be basically uh back in the simpler old days back what- what don was describing before we had beast Wars and everything it was pretty much uh it was it was pretty much the high water mark and um mm-hmm it really meant a lot to a lot of people but now um in the fandom uh i mean <laughs> it's not uncommon to have uh transformers fans uh dedicated transformers fans that never even watched G1 so it's it's kind of like um it's kind of like an artifact from that time mm-hmm. uh you still have the people who who are like oh yo transformers movies the best thing ever dude but uh there there are fewer and fewer of those uh because it the movie wasn't very good, and it's, it's not really remembered anymore as like being a masterpiece. God, back in the day, people used to—I s- swear oh, to God, yeah. I read a quote where somebody said, Citizen Who? <laughs> this is the best movie ever. And he <laughs> meant it. Like, I, it I, I love the movie. I've watched it hundreds of times, but it's garbage. <laughs> it's a bad movie. And it's, it, right now, today, I think it's easier for, pe- for people to accept that. Uh, especially consider, considering we've had four more bad movies since then, <laughs> and, and uh, it's just par for the course for Transformers. We do not get good movies, unfortunately.
0: No, but now we make billion-dollar movies at least, yep. so we can we can uh, cackle on our uh, on our four separate money bins that have been created thanks to Michael Bay.
2: Yeah, but those money bins have gotten us stuff that m- the '86 movie money, what little there was, would have never gotten us.
0: No. So- that's fair. That's fair. And you know what I, I just to credit to him I guess that uh Transformers existed obviously when Michael Bay started his movie franchises, but there wasn't a mania around it like there was with the 86 movie that was kind and of and there hasn't been. Mm-mm. Nope. No indeed. There has not been. Um yeah, you know, going back to kind of like um just a few years ago. I well, I should say I should I would say 10 years ago at this point. I remember when the showing of the 86 movie at a movie theater was one of the major attractions of going to BotCon. Like that was a big deal. There was movie night and you would go to a movie theater or a ballroom um, during BotCon weekend and you would watch the 86 movie with what felt like the vast majority of people who were there for the weekend. And that is not the case anymore. Do you remember those days, Don?
2: Oh, definitely. But again, the, the uh, having gone, having been there when it came out and seeing it on the big screen, my memories are somewhat fixed at a point because I saw it the way it was supposed to be presented. Sure. on On the big screen, you see the animation quality, and and for all and all the issues that the movie had, the animation was gorgeous. And yeah. Well, well. I liked it, too. You know, you know it, it it visually it was a visual feast for the eyes compared to some of the stuff compared to what we had gotten before. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people had to go back and see it for the first time on a television or if you're if you were lucky enough to have a floor model projection TV or something like that. And the movie loses a lot of impact visually on a TV screen. Mm-hmm. It, it's just it's just not the best way to see it. And I think early, in the early days of BotCon, seeing it on a big screen and you had never saw it before like that, mm-hmm. the impact was greater. Plus, you, plus you've plus got everybody in there. It's, it's sort of like I've never seen Rocky Horror Picture Show, but I've been told that when you go to these fan viewings of it, it makes the movie even better. Yeah, so it certainly so, helps to not be alone. Right, so you've got all these fans. You got people. Everyone knows the lines. Everyone remembers the moments. So it was more of a experiencing it for the first time, the way it should have been with your friends. But it's been done so much, and so many people have seen it. The like I said, the impact is gone.
0: So there's two things specifically within like the movie and what it did that I do want to kind of talk about for for a little bit, kind of fixate on for just a second. One or I should say first, is the the death of Optimus Prime. Now, we all know what trauma that caused on kids, and we know from like a business standpoint, probably not the best decision. But, that's all hindsight. Um, Brian, let me ask you a, a theoretical question. If in Transformers, in Transformers movie, if, if Optimus Prime hadn't died, if they hadn't had this huge character turnover planned, or at least at the very least maintained Optimus Prime and Megatron. One, would that have helped long term? Would that have helped G1 last longer and go stronger? But two, would that have made Transformers the movie much more
1: irrelevant long term as well. Uh so I'm I can only go by my own opinion. Sure. And I like the Transformers just as much after Transformers the movie as I did before, probably mm-hmm. probably more. And as an adult, I like tra- I like Transformers. I like G G One Season Three so much better than Seasons One or Two. Um, I mean, I think that probably was a turnoff for people, but uh, I, I don't think it was as big a miscalculation as as we might like to think. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like um, it's not like Transformers could be as big as it would be forever. I mean, Ninja Turtles was looming on the horizon. Based on the you, you mentioned that on the last mini cast that we mm-hmm. did, um, mm-hmm. and Ninja Turtle Mania, I think would pretty much have you know squashed the Transformers. Um, but what was the second part of the question? Well,
0: if 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 the death of Optimus Prime wasn't a oh, part of Transformers oh. movie, would it still be as relevant or as notable as it
1: is? No, no. I think uh, I think what people who remember Transformers. I don't mean to pick on people <laughs> who. <laughs> I don't mean to pick on people, but I, 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 it'll sound like it. People who remember Transformers the movies like being, "Yo, it's mature. It's the Transformers. It's the best mm. movie ever." You know, it's got it's got killing dude. That sort of those people like that. Um, yeah, they probably wouldn't have liked it as much, especially if Optimus Prime hadn't died and had you know he not mowed down Decepticons and had all uh, you know <laughs> some of our favorite characters not been killed point blank range. Um, yeah, it probably wouldn't wouldn't have. Uh, wouldn't be held in the same esteem that it is today. It'd probably be remembered as uh, more like GI Joe the movie, <laughs> or uh, or like My Little Pony. Um, it probably wouldn't be. It probably wouldn't have the same relevance now.
0: Don, what do you think? I mean, uh,
1: what good and bad came from
0: the death of Optimus Prime? I mean, uh, where do you does that shake out for you as uh, as an event?
2: Well, um, it just is. At the when I when again when I was there watching the movie. The death of Optimus Prime kind of didn't hit me till later, uh, as far as being as impactful. Because yeah. one, I was still reeling from the shuttle scene. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I wow. mean, oh the, yeah, I, yeah, me yeah, 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 yeah. I the, get it. Yeah, the shuttle scene really was just one of those. I mean, you had four main characters from from the first seasons, and they're dead, That's and much worse, much yeah, worse. Optimus I, mean, I mean, Prime's death. Yeah, and and when Prime died, I remember being okay. He's dead. Maybe they'll bring him back. I don't know. But I was kind of just like, okay, what, what, you know, it's just one of the things that you just sort of accepted and you didn't think about it till it hit you later. And then boom, Rod a hot Rod gets the Matrix, and becomes Rodimus Prime, and then you have the last Peter Cullen voiceover uh, it's like arise Rodimus Prime, it's like that's when it hits you that there's a new Prime. Optimus is not coming back at the end of the movie cuz I was old enough to know some of the tropes. Even mm-hmm. at 16 on on some of these things, we, we they weren't called tropes. It's just, you know, stuff you expected from cartoons.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Prime wasn't coming back. There's a it's Rodimus Prime now. There's, there's a new there's there's a new uh op, there's a new leader. And that's when Prime's death hit me. Was uh, was when Rodimus showed up. And yeah. As far, as, as far as the impact, mhm. I think if prime had not died i think you know that's a great what if but mm-hmm. i with the idw book coming out next uh later on this year that that deals with that fact
1: mm-hmm.
2: i think that will be an interesting thing because i'm not
1: sure how it could have gone yeah i forgot about that i forgot about that uh, what if style book
2: yeah so i i want to i, wanna, I Maybe we could revisit this question after that mm. comes out mm-hmm. to see whether we agree that that's a good what if divergent mm-hmm. on on the thing. But I don't know how it could have gone if Prime had lived, you know, because so much stuff, so much of the stuff that Rodimus did was driven by trying to live up to Prime's standard. Would would have Hot Rod, you know, hated Prime for, you know, or whatever, the, you know, it could, could have gone either way.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think it's hard to say, I, you know, uh, just putting my marketing hat on, obviously I would want to um, dance with who brung you and uh, keep going on on the Optimus Prime train for a little bit longer. But, uh, you know, who am I to say? And I think for better or worse, it has become like a talking point for years and years and years and the catalyst for for many things. So they've at least uh, done well with the fact that it happened. They've They've capitalized on it. The, the other thing with Transformers, movie that was a huge deal for years and years and years is Unicron, just Unicron, the existence of Unicron, the introduction of Unicron, m- mythical character. Um, we wished for years and years, uh, decades even, that we would get a Unicron toy. We finally did. And like I said earlier in the show, he was kind of the beginning of this, uh, uh, the floodgates opening of different versions of Unicron. Um, Characters that we thought were gone and forgotten forever, all the movie cast basically coming out in several iterations at this point. But I, for one, am kind of surprised looking at it in 2016 um, at Unicron as a character and how much he has really honestly faded away um, and not been the center of attention, the assumed big baddie at the end of every piece of fiction like he was at one time he's really taken a step back and become like brian used the word artifact he's kind of become an artifact i'm surprised at that honestly no uh, of living through this like i have um uh, Brian, what what are your thoughts on Unicron as a as a piece of Transformers history? Are you surprised that he's kind
1: of faded as much as he has? He is the second biggest plot device in Transformers history. The first being the Matrix, and both of them were introduced in Transformers the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't bother me that he's faded. I mean, he. I mean, seriously. Does it surprise you? Uh, no, because he's about where he should be. Mm. Uh, it, Unicron is just something they whipped up as a. Uh, antagonist in Transformers the movie and the other uh, you know, the other uh, plot device that they whipped up, uh, the Matrix uh, it, it, it means more to the Transformers now that Unicron does, but not a whole lot more, not as much as it did 10 or 15 years ago mm-hmm. um, I, man, I'm hard on Transformers Transformers the movie, but it deserves it it's just <laughs> uh, it, it's so thin and uh, it, while while it did add a lot to the transformers mythos i think that it it sort of cheapens the transformers mythos in a way because mm. really they were just like throwing stuff against a wall to see what see what stuck and you know they threw so much at us with transformers the movie that uh certainly some of that stuff was going to stick uh you know you don't you don't uh well you don't like the um the uh you don't know, like the Matrix uh, as being like the origin of the Transformers, as you get sort of in the comic. Well, here, here, here are the uh, Quintessons. Of course, the Quintessons we didn't know in the movie were the supposed creators of the Transformers, but you know they they went. <laughs> I, I prefer the Quintesson origin myself, but um, they it was the Transformers. Of the movie was a seedbed for what was going to happen in season three, and that's fine, but. Really, in my mind, it should stop there, mm. and it really shouldn't have held the same importance that it had to everything that came after. Uh, again, because mostly it's just plot device on top of plot device. Mm. Uh, Don, what are your uh,
0: what are your thoughts on Unicron and kind of how he has um, has kind of you know stepped back in in the lore and in the minds of fans?
2: Well, I think. It's unfortunate that this 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 literally larger than life presence has become basically a macguffin. Uh, look at look at Prime season one. They started with Unicron. Mm. It's where do you go from there? You know, it's it's just one of them things that you're like okay, it, and it's like in a, a, a lot of the a lot of the Japanese continuities, like the on uh, Beast Wars two and Beast Wars neat. Well, I think it was more. To the Neo, I may be getting them backwards, but it all revolved back around Unicron, and Unicron was underlying um, presence causing things to happen, even if Unicron himself was not actually in it. It was his presence that was still driving things forward. I think if they basically they've used Unicron to be whatever they needed to be. You know, he's a time traveling. Uh, dimensional jumping entity. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's this, he's that, he can do this. Uh, So that's kind of hurt him over the years, don't you think? It is, but but like I said, it's turned him into a MacGuffin. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, if they can't think of anything else as a villain or as something to drive the plot forward, oh, it's because of Unicron. I I would like to see something done that gets basically, you know, there's like Unicron is one being you know he, mm-hmm. he, he, and we know we, we know his basic origin if they would just do something that would make him the big bad and then support that mm-hmm. it might get him back into some you know you know we see unicron we see actually see primus train we see cybertron transforming to primus mm-hmm. you know and we get that that mythical balance back where these are bigger than life, bigger than creation characters. But basically, at at this point, he's a MacGuffin. Just needs something to drive the plot along? Well, it's related to Unicron in some fashion. Yeah, I I think he's definitely like an escape clause. You're right. And uh,
0: defining him as something and sticking to it would definitely help. But uh, the last, I would say, seven, eight years, Transformers has seemingly had pretty difficult time aligning continuity, so to speak. Yeah. Kind of jump around. So he's, I think he's probably like symptomatic of of bigger issues, I guess, bigger challenges. But yes, it would be great to, it'd be great to get a, a feel, a firm feel on what Uticron is and have some kind of expectation on what, what he'll be when we, whenever we do see him, instead of having no real firm idea what, This thing is in any given fiction, other than it shares the name with a bunch of other kind of disconnected ideas. Yeah,
2: you know, Unicron should be to Transformers as Galactus used to be to Marvel. Mm -hmm. Explain that, because in the in now I'm not a I'm not a huge Marvel Silver Age fan, but I know enough that when stuff went down and Galactus shows up. It was something that was, okay, this is not good.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: This guy should not be here. Why is he here? Why is he involved? What's going to happen? Unicron needs to have that, like, he's this, he's this mythical creature. He is, you know, an agent of darkness, agent of chaos. And he needs to show up, and everybody collectively loses their oil. And, you know, that, that's what he needs to be.
0: I love you, Don. Don't uh I I say it every every mini cast you're on. Don't ever change. Also, uh send your letters and ideas to Hasbro, please. I think we would all appreciate that. Brian, I do want to ask you something before we wrap up the show. What
1: do you like about Transformers the movie? I love that it gave me Rodimus Prime and Galvatron. Uh I like the fact that um it was, oh man, how do I put this? <laughs> it wasn't, um, it went in and it was really honest and genuine. It wasn't, it didn't try to pretend to be something that it wasn't other than Star Wars. And, uh, it uh, wasn't, um, it was just really honest uh, that it was just this campy, crummy cartoon movie <laughs> about, uh, it it was just a grab for money is basically what it was, and uh, I respect that. I respect that it it didn't uh, tr Actually, I'm talking myself out of it because Uh-oh. going back going back to uh, the sell the pitch video in the trailer, yes. it really did try to present itself as something massive and epic. Okay, so I just completely—I I don't know that there is anything. Uh, that no,
0: no, no! Don't listen to the marketing. Marketing's full of lies. Come no, on,
1: Brian. Uh, no, I mean, I, again, I really liked it. It gave me Rodimus Prime and Galvatron. It gave me some characters I really liked. It made the dino—it it dumbed down the Dinobots. It made it, the Dinobots I no longer like this um, threat badass threat that they mm-hmm. once were mm-hmm. but it made them much more approachable so mm-hmm. um, I I I, uh, I don't I, I love it I've watched <laughs> it hundreds of times and I can quote it word for word mm-hmm. but it's not a good movie it's junk food it's
0: junk food yes and there's value in that of a kind of a certain kind I would say wrong podcast let's get the skinny done um, what are the things that jump out uh, as far as what you like about the '86
2: movie, well, it gave us basically a gigantic battle—not not start to finish, but it gave us some pretty epic battles. Mm-hmm. It gave us a vi- again. I'm going back to the animation compared to what we were getting at the time visually. It was a beautiful movie. It was, you know, with some of the the matte paintings that they were using. You know, well, I'm not sure if you'd call matte paintings an animated movie, but you know what I mean. Um, but I think it gave personally it gave me a couple of things. One, RC, uh, a, a oh very, yeah, I mean, an interesting character. Sure, a, a female Autobot in the daily ins and outs of the of the of the animated series, and not just relegated to one or two episodes and yeah. then vanishing back to the either.
0: A lot of screen time. Lot of screen time,
2: but I also think it gave us a, two things. And they're, they're and they're saying one, it gave us a really good soundtrack. A lot of good yes. Songs. yes. Keep
0: going, Don. Don't and, listen to him.
2: And it gave us the touch. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I'm not arguing that one. The the uh, well, oh my gosh, well, the music videos for these songs, I, please.
2: I know, but here's the thing. They're and great. this came and last well last year, year before last when Frozen came out yes okay yes.
0: compare the movie to Frozen I can't wait <laughs> let's do this
2: okay what I'm just saying is that for animation fans yes if, if you're an animation fan if you like animated anime whatever the case may be for people of my age the touch is something you remember of something that you like it, it's one of those songs that sticks with you if you hear it, it reminds you of those times, and it's a it's, it's basically it's what I call it's a linchpin moment. It's a song that binds you to a moment, and for today's animation fans, let it go from Frozen is their touch. I love it. it, it it's something that they're going to remember the rest of their lives and have a fond association with animation, anime. Fiction in general, for me, that's the touch. I
0: love it. So, uh, based on that, though, I, I would, I'm going to assume that if you're going to rate Dare and the Touch, you're putting Touch above Dare.
2: I, yeah, I have to, but on, only by the slimmest of margins. Okay. It's just again because the Touch Dare was a great Dare was a great song used at a good spot, mm-hmm. but you, but you had the Touch at Prime's final charge and Rodimus's birth. The points at which they use that song makes the song more important because of the moment it's associated with. I'm a dare guy uh, on the record.
0: Love uh, Daniel's uh, rocket hoverboard thingy. Oh, yeah. Still the, want that.
1: And the D jacket. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Brian, touch or dare?
1: Uh, dare. Yeah. Whoa.
0: Okay. That's oh. all right. That's all right. We're not we're not condemning oh, SM, the touch. That's true. They're both great songs, just two to one for the record on this but, podcast.
1: I like nothing's gonna stand in her way better. Oh really? Yeah. Not tonight. Uh what about Dare to Be Stupid? That's the best
0: song easily on the soundtrack. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That that oh. burns a hole in my brain. Yeah.
2: But so I will s- I will say I did like Lion's take on the theme. That was that was a pretty a pretty good variation on the theme.
1: I've been I've heard it thousands of times over the last <laughs> 16 years. Yeah. It is pretty righteous. I'm I'm
0: not going to lie. On that note, I'm going to bid adieu to Brian and Don and remind you fine listeners that the RFC podcast can be found at tfradio.net with many fine other programs. And you can support all these programs by going to tfradio.net slash Amazon and doing your Amazon shopping via tfradio.net slash Amazon. You will be supporting us uh, in a very subtle way because when you check out at Amazon via tfradio.net slash Amazon, a few nickels and dimes go into Brian Kilby's pocket. He uses those to keep the podcast going, keep the lights on, keep everything going for free, flowing free. And uh, we know that you love that price. And we love that you listen every week to the minicast and other fine, fine programs like the big show, RFC, every Wednesday. So uh, until the next RFC minicast, on behalf of Don, the headmaster, Ferguson, and Brian, our leader, Kilby, this is John DeLuna. We'll see you next time. Music provided by bensound.com.